evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I am very much under the weather. I just took some night quill. I have a lot of phlegm and mucus in my throat, but I'm still here to record for you. Last night we talked about Lawrence Ferlinghetti. What's funny is because that was my grandfather's name. My grandfather's name was Lawrence Woldmeyer, and I called him Lawrence, uh, or Grandpa Lawrence. Um, and he was a Korean veteran. My father's a Vietnam veteran, so this is an interesting time. Wartime is not. That, you know, that's the thing I wanted to just say, and this is not a political stance, is that, you know what they taught me? Is that you should never be gung-ho for war. Yeah, you served your country, but there is some ugly-ass shit that you encounter mentally and physically and imagery that probably will never leave you no matter uh, how many medications they give you or how many times you have to go see the the doctor yeah so just keep that in mind i have a very interesting memory of the first time i watched i I figure this is fitting since where we're at dr strange love or how i stopped learning worrying and love learn to love the bomb directed by stanley kubrick released 59 was it 59 no 58 years ago in 1964 originally it was going to have its premiere on November 22nd 1963 and that didn't happen and in fact there's a program that someone found or Kubrick wrote can't, it was cancelled because uh, Kennedy was assassinated but I remember being in college and there was a girl in the class She was assi- we were all assigned movies mine was guests who's coming to dinner Hers was Dr. Strangelove. It had me laughing. Her speech was awesome. And so I remember one evening in 2006, it came on TCM, and I'm watching it. I'm flipping the channels. My grandfather's there, and we're watching it, and he's laughing and howling, and he kept saying to me, hey, isn't that Patton? And I, and I knew what he meant. I said, yeah, that's George C. Scott. That's Patton. And he's just howling. He's like, ha, ha, ha. And he's laughing. And I asked him, I said, you can laugh at this now, but at the time, the Cuban Missile Crisis, was that a scary thing? He's like, oh, yeah. It was, it was really scary, he said. Uh, and so that a film can do that, that a film can translate. I mean, both my grandparents were, in fact, all four of them, uh, you know, my my grandfather was born in 1917. He was a part... Of, oh, my God. He grew up in the Depression. My grandmother was born in 1926. She grew up in the Depression. My other grandfather was born in 1920, I believe. Depression. But in Mexico, it was a little different. And, and then my mother's parents were both children of the Depression. My grandfather was born in 1929. Right when the stock, right, shoot, he was born in July of 1929, and then my grandmother was 1933. That's the year, you know, that's the year of Shirley Temple, and that was a thing back then. Is you would go to the movies to forget that you couldn't eat that night, that you were able to go to the movies and just watch these images that made you just forget. 
And sometimes it's like, is that why we go to the movies? And and even when it's a war film, you know, war film is so different from the real thing. Um, the closest that I could think of that is Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan, which they did a lot of research just to get it right and to do justice and to pay homage to those who died there on that beach in Normandy 1944 uh, I've only watched Saving Private Ryan a couple of times every time it's on though I, I somehow catch it toward the end at such a poignant moment what does Tom Hanks say to him earn this earn this and he was a school teacher he, his character was a school teacher and, and so there were people from all walks of life serving during that time you know back in the 1940s and 30s they didn't have you know you didn't have the news like you did then if you wanted to watch the news you had to go watch the news real before and during the film to you would get these images from England and Germany and, and Japan and France and, and that's what you did and now I can turn on the TV and there's the news but back in my grandparents time if you wanted to know the news, you either read the newspaper or you went to the movies and saw the newsreel. Television wasn't really here yet. People read. Or if you remember, <laughs> I, I always enjoy the Christmas, uh, a Christmas story because they're listening to the radio. So how is he getting his information about Little Orphan Annie? And that remember the decoder ring? The radio. He he doesn't have. Uh, there's no television. You know, kid network showing. That, that's the funny thing is whenever you watch, and my nieces and nephews will watch Nickelodeon, Disney, and those commercials just come on. It makes me think of a Christmas story. So, you know, because they would just listen to the radio. So they we we take things for granted. But when it comes to these films and this media that we consume it, it is an escape it's a, you know like going to see a comedian um you know i've always wanted to go see chris rock i might go see him he will be in oakland i'm not too far from oakland so we'll see richard pryor and and george carlin really if you want to talk about some realism on the stage they both brought it and so, with all this media, we're able to just forget sometimes, you know. Um, unfortunately, if you have it on CNN, which I do now, and I'm going to change it. And then if you put it on something like Turner Classic Movies, you're able to just, boom, forget. Oh, Birdie's on. Okay. Have I ever seen Birdie? Oh, God. Look, at it's, it's uh, Nicolas Cage. Probably around the time that he changed the name from Coppola to Cage, because you know Nicholas Cage's real name is Nicholas Coppola. Nicholas Coppola, and you know we talk about nepotism because if you <laughs> you just heard that last name, Nicholas Cage is a Coppola. His father was a brother to Francis Ford Coppola. In fact, Uncle Francis gave him a job at one point. 
and you know that's when I think Nicholas Cage Coppola became Nicholas Cage isn't that interesting and then you think of the films that Nick, uh, that Francis Ford Coppola did oh my god the Godfather Apocalypse Now the conversation Godfather 2 Godfather 3 <laughs> the Outsiders Dracula so see in these in these crazy and certain times Dracula came out in 92 um, 30 years ago but in, in these uncertain times that we're able to escape okay we're able to we're transported through the film through the television the cinematic aspect the cinematic world I want to give a shout out to Jason Almy if shit happens to you party naked we were talking about cinema and music and very few films I mean you think of the 1930s there wasn't really a soundtrack there wasn't really a score it was all so new and now oh I mean the one film I can think of that didn't have a score was No Country for Old Men the Coen Brothers it was realistic um, but then <laughs> that same year you've got There Will Be Blood which has a score done by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead and it is so eerie and it's so uh, if, if you've ever heard of Radiohead's Burn the Witch it's almost like you could take the instrumentation of that and apply it to There Will Be Blood because that's what it sounded like if you've ever seen There Will Be Blood oh you want to talk about escaping that came out during the Bush years and I'm talking about Bush 41 <laughs> the Bush years <laughs> He's not in office anymore. I mean, it's. I guess it's safe. Not now, but. <laughs> oh my goodness! I. I see. I think in film because I just thought of uh, Lawrence Olivier, is a marathon man. Remember? And and he, oh, and he's a Nazi. Oh, and he's trying to get some information out of Dustin Hoffman's character, and he's gonna drill his tooth, and he's like, but. Is it safe? And he keeps asking him that. <laughs> oh God! And then the 1940s, Olivier. During the you know wartime, what what comes out after the war? Hamlet. Sir Lawrence Olivier, who had that voice, you know, uh, he didn't get method acting. He, he was a Shakespearean actor. And so many actors would say, you know. He didn't work on motivation. So during Hamlet, he's working on fencing and then he's working on voice because of how he was able to modulate his voice. You know, the point in Venom, then Venom. And as he does that, he's going to stab the guy. He makes his voice bounce. So that's why we went to the movies. We went to the movies to forget. I mean, I've talked about this before. I remember one time having a really bad day at work and putting on Tammy. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy is so hilarious. <laughs> and then Susan Saran is playing her grandmother. <laughs> Allison Janney's playing her mother. Talk about casting. And Dan Aykroyd is her father. You know, you know that's a fucked up perfect world. When Dan Aykroyd is your father and he comes to bail you out of or I think she went to prison yeah 
That's why we go to the movies. We go to the movies to forget. We go to the movies because, hey, come on, Jake. It's Chinatown. <laughs> 1974. We go to the movies because, I mean, and and these tyrannical governments that are going on that are in the news makes me think of one flew over the cuckoo's nest one flew over the cuckoo's nest directed by the late the great Czechoslovakian icon Mr. Milaj Forman in fact Milaj Forman said when they were constructing how the film was going to look he said well Nurse Ratchet is going to have horns on her hair because she's the devil. She's a representation of communism. I could listen to Milaj Foreman talk until the cows come home. I had a, a, a boss who, and a professor who was also from the Czech Republic just like Milaj Foreman. We were talking about Milaj Foreman. You know, he escaped communism went to Hollywood, made these these bombastic films and in in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, that's the thing right there. What happens when you go against a government, especially a communist government? Uh, Ratch or uh, Randall because Nurse Ratchet is the represent you know, according to Milaj Foreman, Nurse Ratchet is the representation of communism. Okay, and when you go against communism, what 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 do they do? If you've never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, turn the show off right now. If you have, Randall gets lobotomized. That is symbolic for what happens when you go against the powers that be. And Milaj Foreman did that intentionally also in the book to not conform written by the great Ken Kesey in fact I don't think he liked the film <laughs> but it's a classic it's a classic and and that's why we go to the movies we go to the movies to forget we go to the movies to watch these superheroes with extraordinary powers the Avengers or the X-Men to forget that we live in a world that is destructive and dangerous and yeah there's a really great Motown song I can't sing it because obviously I'm under the weather war what is it good for absolutely nothing good night